Good to see all of you. <clears throat> yeah, as Jordan mentioned, as a lot of you know, we are in transition. We're kind of back and forth between Garland and um, well, actually our new address is going to be in San Marcos. It's outside of San Marcos. Uh, but we're back and forth this month, and we'll actually be moving our things at the end of the month. So uh, we're continuing to uh, plan to be up here one long weekend a month. So we're not going to completely lose contact with you all. Uh, but um, we will be more and more down in that area. In fact, uh, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to be down there attending a regional pastor's meeting. Uh, just getting an idea of the vision that God has given all those pastors for that area of Texas and uh, connect with a bunch of them. So um, anyway, um, I, want, I want to let you all know uh, some things that Suzanne and I have been going through uh, over the last several weeks uh, as an introduction to what I want to talk about this morning. So we are in transition. Um, we sold our house here in two days, two days on the market. And it was sold. And so we were down uh, looking around down there in that area. Uh, got a phone call from our daughter. And long story short, we were connected to a young man who flips houses in Austin. He buys houses, fixes them up, sells them, he flips them. And uh, he had bought this house out west of San Marcos for his father to do the same thing, to fix this house up. And he got it about 75, 80% done. And his father came down didn't stay very long and went back up north. And so he, the, the, the guy, Christopher, the previous owner, was uh, tired of working on the house. And so he, uh, we sold it to us for a very good price. And um, there were a lot of the materials still in the house that were to finish the house or to mostly finish the house. And one of those things, one of those items was the flooring. So it's just slab concrete and there's 100 boxes of flooring. Of, uh, of laminate flooring. Uh, and so we, at the day after we closed on the house, when it was ours, we hired a guy to lay the flooring. So he comes in and he works about 45 minutes and he comes out and he says, I can't lay this flooring. He said, it's defective. And so we go in and he shows us, it's, it's a flooring that kind of fits together like a jigsaw puzzle. It's called floating flooring. And it's supposed to snap together. And every time that he snapped it together, the, the wood split. <clears throat> so... It was purchased at Floor and Decor in South Austin. So the next day, we take several of these planks to Floor and Decor, find the flooring manager, take him out into the parking lot, and he tries to snap them in place, and they split. And so he said, this is a defective batch. He said, when was this purchased? Well, we didn't know because we didn't purchase it. The previous owner did. So we get in contact with him, and he purchased it 10 months ago. It's been sitting in the house for 10 months. So the flooring manager said, well, if it had just been three months, we could have just made an exchange and given you 100 new boxes of flooring. But since it, ha it was beyond that, you've got to go through our claims department. So enter into corporate claims department <clears throat> deal. All right. And we are, because we were not the purchaser, now we're out of the loop. And we're waiting. And most of the work still to be done on the house depends on the flooring being in the house. So we're sitting there, <clears throat> and we're faced with $8,000 worth of flooring that needs to be done that we didn't count on. <clears throat> All right, so we can do finish the paintings. We hire the painter. Painter comes in. There's five gallons of paint that match the color on the wall. 
So he uses all the five gallons up, and it's not enough. Okay, we were told it was enough. It wasn't enough. Besides, and this is a good painter. We trust him. He says it needs a second coat. So he needs seven more gallons of paint. So additional labor and paint, another $850. Okay, so we had planned in the beginning to cover the restoration of the house with a home equity line of credit, which is... You know, in my book, maybe you disagree, but I believe that that's not a debt because you're borrowing off of the equity in your house. You're borrowing from yourself. Anyway, we go to a recommended federal credit union in San Marcos, start filling out our application. After 45 minutes, the guy finds out the flooring didn't end, and he denies us the line of credit because the flooring ended. All right, <clears throat> so that's what's going on down there. So... Three of our grandsons want to come to our house here in Garland for a last weekend at Papa and Gigi's house for memory's sake. And so we bring them up here. This was a week ago, Thursday night. They spend two nights. They have a great time. Saturday, Suzanne loads them in the car. She's heading down I-35 to Waco to meet our son from Austin who's going to pick the boys up and take them home. So Suzanne gets south of Waxahachie and her car quits running. Pulls over to the, off, off the side of the road. She was in a safe place. She calls our towing company. After two hours of waiting, two different towing truck services never came. So she calls me. She calls Jason, our son. Jason goes on, comes on up past Waco, meets her. I go down from here, meet her. We call a friend of ours that lives in Waxahachie. He comes over and meets. Jason takes the boys, goes on back to Austin. So we decide I'm going to try to, to drive Suzanne's car to my friends and mechanics in Waxahachie. So I get in the car. It drives pretty good. We leave the car in the parking lot of the auto mechanic. It's Saturday evening now, and he's not open on Sunday. Monday is the 4th, so the first time he can even look at it is on Tuesday. All right, so we're looking at potential expense on whatever's wrong with Suzanne's car. So Suzanne and I get in my car. We're back on our way back to Garland. We're on uh, I-20 down south. I have a flat tire. Okay, so <clears throat> I get out over 100 degree heat in the afternoon. And here I am, 75-year-old John Wallace, changing the tire. And it has five lug nuts on it. I get three of them off, and I can't get the other two off. I mean, I have this lug nut wrench on those lug nuts, and I'm standing, jumping up and down on it, and it won't budge. So I call my friend Robert. <clears throat> so Robert drives 45 minutes and meets us, and he's got heavy-duty, you know, gear, and so he gets the other two lug nuts off. So we put the spare on, drive to the nearest tire shop, and the, car's irre uh, the tire's irreparable. So uh, I bought the tire at Costco. All right, so now it's Saturday night, and the tire department is not going to be open on Sunday. It's not going to be open on the 4th, so I've got to wait until Tuesday. Okay, we're doing a lot of errands here, packing up and so forth. All right, so I'm praying on every errand. Oh, God, get me there and back. All right, so Tuesday, I go into Costco, and they look at the tire. Yeah, it's irreparable. Uh, good news is, that uh, part of the cost of a new tire will be covered by your road hazard warranty. Yay. Okay. The bad news is it's going to take two weeks to get a new tire here. I don't know. 
if any of you all ever had a day like that, or a week like that, or maybe you've had a season like that. And I don't tell you all of this to get any kind of sympathy. What I'm telling you is, is that what do you do when it seems like everything's going wrong? What do you do? What do you do when it just piles up on you? And it just seems like it's continuing to stack up. Job lived there, right? Job just had news, bad news after bad news after bad news after bad news. David lived there. Listen to David in, in Psalm. I do not know why my iPad is just going nuts right now. Why has all of that showed up? Add it to the list. Okay. All right. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Psalms 6, verses 2 and 3. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, dash, how long? David gets to the point in this psalm where he loses his words and all he can say, I've, I've got all this stuff weighing down on me and all he can say is, how long? Now, when all of this stuff began to happen, I don't cuss, okay? But what I do, but what I do do is, is <clears throat> something else happened and I go, really? You ever been there? Really? This is happening? That's what David's saying. He's saying, really, Lord? How long is all this stuff going to keep going on? Listen to him in Psalm 22. You know these verses. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, and I have no rest. Now, you know that those are the words uttered by the Lord Jesus on the cross. But know that they were first uttered by David. He felt that way. He felt that way. God, where are you? All this stuff is happening. And you don't seem to be around. So how do we live a godly life in the midst of multiple trying circumstances? Well, I've come up with six steps that I preach to myself. And maybe they will be helpful for you. The first step, step one, when there's multiple things happening to you like this, is get a proper perspective. Take a step back and say, not everything is going wrong. Focus on what's going right. Hey, I'm still saved. I still have a wife that loves me, and children, and grandchildren. I have wonderful, beautiful, spiritual children and friends. I have gifts and talents and abilities. God has done many, many faithful things in my life. I have, seen, I have seen transitions in life of people's lives changed. I've had many experiences, supernatural experiences with the Holy Spirit. I've written about a bunch of those things in my books. Not everything's going wrong. There's a whole lot going right. And on the relatively scale of things... I don't have Alzheimer's like one of our friends is beginning to have or cancer. I've got a roof over my head and a slab four under my feet. 
There's a lot to be thankful for. Uh, my friend Kyle Martin, who uh, is the president CEO of Time to Revive, was on a uh, was on a Zoom call uh, last week with ten Ethiopian pastors, and uh, Islam is just exploding over there, and uh, they're getting ready to go. Probably uh, the the whole nation is going to go under Shiite law, which means that some of those they're going to face severe persecution, and probably martyrdom. And Kyle, over here, sitting in America, was trying to encourage them. And the relative scale of things, it's just flooring. It's just flooring. It's just attire. So the first thing is just get a proper perspective. Focus on what is going right. Step number two, trust God. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This is one of the first verses that I ever memorized as a new Christian back in 1969. You will keep him in perfect peace. In the Hebrew it says shalom, shalom. That's perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed upon you. The newer version said the steadfast of mind. Because he trusts in you. In other words. We will be kept in the midst of all of the troubles that, we're, that we face. We will be kept in perfect peace. If we lock on to the Lord. If our mind is stayed upon him. And the, re, and the way that we're able to do that is because we trust him. The reason I keep going back to him is because I trust him. I trust him. Because there's a love relationship going. I trust him because he's found, been found trustworthy in my life. I don't just quote this verse. And I've quoted it in the last several weeks. I've probably quoted it and reminded, it, reminded me of it a hundred times. I mean, I'm serious. I'm not exaggerating. I have quoted this verse a hundred times in the last three weeks. To remind myself. And then to activate it. Not just to quote it. But to activate it. I want to know what it looks like. To trust God in the midst of these circumstances. I want to walk it out. I want to walk it out. I got to trust. As we creedily announced earlier. That he's good. Even though there's some bad stuff, quote, unquote, bad stuff happening in my life right now. God is good. And he's good to me. He's good to me. It's not a theology. God, oh yeah, God's good. He's good to me. And he's been good to me. And he will be good to me. And I trust that he knows best. I trust that he knows best. He's got a little bit longer range vision of my life than I do. Just a little. The Hebrew word for trust is batak. Batak. And it literally means the house that surrounds the inner chamber. So what trust does is it surrounds our relationship in the inner chamber with God. And anything that comes and tries to destroy that trust is trying to destroy my relationship with my God. 
And I will not let that happen. Trust. It's a foundational issue. And the question always is, in the midst of troubles, will I trust him? Step two. Step one is get a proper perspective. Step two is trust him. No matter what it looks like, trust him. Step number three is repent and or ask for mercy over stupid mistakes. Or sinful mistakes. You know, some of the reason that we are in trouble is because we made a stupid decision. And it's the consequences of our sinful and our stupid decision. So, I've got to admit and repent to the Lord of those choices that got me there. Several years ago, I got scammed. And I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I got scammed for $5,600. $5,600. When it was all said and done and I realized what happened, I was humiliated. I was humiliated. I wept. I, you know, I, I, I consider myself to have a measure of wisdom, and I just didn't use it. And there were several times as I looked back on it in the midst of walking through this thing that God was warning me. He was warning me, and I ignored it. I ignored it. So I made some stupid decisions. And I started to suffer for it. And I repented before the Lord. And I asked him to forgive me for just bypassing his warnings. And I had to, I had to forgive myself for doing that. I had to forgive myself for doing that. Okay? And then, uh, oh, it was about two weeks later, I get a phone call from my uh, CPA that does my books. And she said, I just was going through some of your past tax returns, and I just realized I, one year I made a $4,900 mistake. And uh, so I'm, I'm gonna, they're going to send you a check for $4,900. Uh, a couple of days later, I got an um, uh, unexpected honorarium check for $700. How much does that add up to? $5,600, what I got scammed out of. Now, that is the mercy of God. He did not have to do that. I made a stupid mistake, and I sinned by not listening to him. And in his mercy, he covered that for me. He won't do that all the time. I've made some, I've made some mistakes that haven't been covered by the Lord. He just said, tough luck, son. Learn from it. But in 2 Corinthians, it calls him the father of mercies. The father of mercies. That means he generates mercy towards you and towards me. So yes, repent. If you made a dumb, stupid, sinful decision, repent. Ask God to forgive you. Forgive yourself. You know, um, uh, go out and remedy that if possible. Remedy that mistake if possible. Try to take care of that. And then just fall upon his grace and mercy. Fall upon his grace and mercy. 
That's step number three. Step number four. We just got to accept that we live in a sinful and a broken world. Just got to accept that. I don't lead a charmed life. That everything goes right. And I shouldn't expect it. And sometimes my greatest frustrations come about when I do expect it. <laughs> I got to live in the reality. Jesus, here's a Jesus promise for you in John 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. That's a Jesus promise to you. You will have tribulation. You will have trouble. But he says, don't fear because I've overcome the world. But we still have to live in it right now. We do. And part of, the, part of living in a broken, sinful world is that I've got to forgive others. They make stupid, sinful mistakes that affect me. And I've got to forgive that. I've got to, I've got to live in a state where I forgive quickly. Just live with the fact that everything isn't going to go smoothly. It'll take a lot of frustration out of your life. Okay? Really will. It'll ease a lot of that stress that's brought on by things that pile up that go wrong. Step number four. Step number five. Resource the patience that God's given you. Resource the patience that God's given you. Galatians 2.20, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Why does the Holy Spirit give us patience? Because we need it. We're going to be in impatient situations. Impatient situations. Resource that part of the fruit of the Spirit. And then James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy. Woohoo! You fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Patience works, it has a perfect work. Just getting a little bit of patience, yeah, that's great, that's fine. But how about letting the patience work in your life until it's complete? Be released in your life. You have that resource. If you know Jesus and have the Holy Spirit, you have patience. It's already there. It's already in there. So you can just say, Holy Spirit, release more. More, Lord. More, Lord. And then Romans chapter 5. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Not just be joyful, glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces what? Perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Being in hard situations in which Patience and perseverance and endurance is produced as part of the process of growing you up to look like Jesus. 
and growing me up to look like him. Now, has anybody here ever run a marathon? Anybody in this room run a marathon? 26 miles, 300 and something yards. Did somebody raise their hand? Oh, woo! Okay, let me ask you this question. Your name's Jordan? Okay. Jordan, uh, did you just get up one morning and say, I'm going to run a marathon? You didn't do that, right? What did you do? How did you, how did you train for the marathon? Six or nine months. Five days a week. Okay, you probably added some mileage at, in, during that process, right? Okay, all right. Okay, he learned to endure 26 plus miles. Why? Because he practiced a day at a time. A day at a time. A little bit more. Oh, I think I'm at my limit. No, I can push a little bit further. A little bit further. A day at a time. How do we endure a day at a time? I'm going to push through today. I'm going to get a little bit further today than I did yesterday. Trusting God. Knowing that he's given me patience. Knowing that he's producing endurance and perseverance in my life. To make me look more like his son. Number six. Number five, get a proper perspective. Number two, trust God. Number three, repent and or seek God's mercy for all the stupid mistakes that you've done. Number four, what was number four? Oh, number four, I got them in a different order. Know that we live in a sinful and decaying world. Number five, resource patience, build endurance. And number six, trust again. Trust again in that whole process. Trust him again. Now, this is, this is what Proverbs 3 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Trust in the Lord in what? In, in all your heart? How much of your heart? All of it. Do you know that there have been times in the last several weeks where the Lord said, John, you trust me in this part of your heart, in this, in this part, in this part, but you do not trust in me in this part over here. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And here's what the psalmist says in Psalm 62. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for, God is a refuge for us. Trust in the Lord when? At all times. Do you know that there are times when I don't trust the Lord? There are times when I haven't trusted the Lord in the last three weeks. Really? Trust in the Lord always. Always. And so one of the things that I've been doing throughout the day is I have been trying to, to, again, my mind stayed upon him. I've tried to step into that place where, Lord, right now I trust you. At 3.30 this afternoon, I trust you. Or waking up in the morning, Lord, I trust you today. 
I'm constantly reminding myself. I'm constantly bringing him before me. I'm constantly being reminded of his faithfulness in my life. I'm constantly doing that. Because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our life right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff. We're looking at uh, spending, trying to spend a whole bunch of money that right now we don't have. That we didn't count on. Getting some stuff fixed. Okay? The movers are coming two weeks from Wednesday. Sorry to bring that up, babe. <laughs> Painted concrete. I know that's been brought up. That's been brought up. It's one of the options. It's one of the options. But look, like I told you at the beginning, I've been doing my best to walk through these six, six steps myself. And I know that if you haven't had a two or three week period of time like we've just had, you're going to. You're going to. And, <laughs> and maybe these things will be helpful for you. Maybe they will. You know, the Lord told me just, and you know, I, I haven't been real great walking through this. I've really stressed a lot over the last three weeks. But I, I was, I was in, I woke up in the middle of the night and I started stressing again. I just started thinking about all this stuff piling up and, all the expenses and all of that. And the Lord, the Lord interrupted me, interrupted that process. And he said, you know that you have wasted all of this emotional energy when you didn't have to. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Don't, don't waste it. And it'll be a fight. You know, Scripture says we have three enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Okay? The devil's only a third of that trio. And a lot of people give him a lot of credit for maybe all three. <laughs> now, I'm not against. I mean, we do, we do feel like that we have, have been in some spiritual warfare. And we've done some spiritual warfare. We have. That's, that's on the checklist. Okay, but it's just 30, 33 and a third percent. Just is. Just is. Anybody else? Jordan? Johnny? No, I just, I'll say it until I do this. Okay. Okay. Well, let's pray. Father, I'm just right now <laughs> remembering that you say give thanks in all things. And as Suzanne reminds us, sometimes we say thank you, Lord. And sometimes we say th 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 thank you, Lord. But we're, we're giving thanks. Always give thanks. So keep my heart, keep our hearts in that place. Of trusting, keep our minds and our hearts stayed upon you in the midst of whatever circumstances that people in this room, people listening to this, are in. 
keep taking the your hand and put it under our chin and lift our face higher to look into yours. Do that, Lord, for your glory. Pray this in the name of the Savior. Amen.